Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from Northeast Pennsylvania, it's the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast with Nick Hart, the best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Today's guest, Penguins forward, Greg Kajula, former U.S. Vice President, Dan Quayle, plus all new Penn's picks, semantics, and a question from the previous episode's guest. So let's get to it. Without further ado, please put your hands together for our host, bad movie aficionado, Nick Hart! And bang! All right! Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode of the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. I am your host, Nick Hart, we have one dandy of a show on tap for you guys tonight. Drake Kajula, my first guest on the podcast today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Also, all right, come on, guys. 44th Vice President of the United States. I don't know if you're a history buff. I don't know if you like politics, but we got Dan Quayle on the show. Yes! Who'd have thunk it? I sent out the email, thought it was a Hail Mary. Like, hey, do you think we could get uh, Dan Quayle on the show? And, I mean, I guess a little bit of a back and forth later, and here we are. He's going to be on the show later. A little bit of a, I guess, a pivot from what we normally do here on the show, but it's going to be exciting. Um, I'm really geeked to get you guys this episode of the Penguins podcast. And so with that in mind, we're going to jump right into things here with our first guest on today's episode of the Penguins podcast. It is my... Great pleasure to be joined today by Penguins forward Drake Kajula. Drake, thank you so much for taking some time to join us here. Really, really appreciate it. I got to ask you right out of the gate with this grueling 6-9 and nine that you guys have just played, 7-12 and 12 with that game Tuesday against Hershey. How do you feel? How do you feel right now, Drake? Uh, tired. <laughs> just, uh, Understandable. One-word one answer, tired, but... Uh... No, it's good. I think when you're playing a lot of games, you kind of get into a groove. And, um, you know, we haven't been able to really practice that much during the stretch just because we're playing so many games. And um, sometimes that's a good thing. You can kind of just keep rolling. Uh, I think the team's playing well and finding ways to win, even though we're not at our best when we're tired. But that's part of the season. Every team's got to go through something like that. So, um, you know, it's been a good stretch for us, but just uh, try to find the rest when you can. That was my biggest takeaway from the uh, last two games of that of that six and nine. Both games featured a third period comeback and then gutting it out in the shootout when it's all said and done. It could be so easy to just be like, uh, legs are burning. I'm tired. That's like even mentally when you start to lose a couple of details, you could just pack it in. And this team's like, uh-uh, not happening. You scored a huge goal, tying goal for the Penguins, that uh, shorty there against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, just another instance of this Penguin squad refusing to quit in the face of any adversity. But I am so glad that that stretch is behind us now, <laughs> yeah. that that's now in the rearview mirror. Yeah, us too. Um, no, it's been a long, long grind. And, uh, you know, coming up, we've got a bit of a longer break. Um, so we'll take advantage of that and get some rest and take care of some bumps and bruises. But that's kind of been the MO of our team, just being resilient. Um, we talked about the war of attrition, like, you know, just keep coming in waves, keep battling. You know, it's not always going to go our way. We're not always going to feel great. And, uh, you know, we find ways to stick around. We've, you know, from the goaltending all the way out, we find ways to contribute and kind of be the last man standing. And, 
you know, the last two games kind of shows uh, some evidence towards that. We still got lots of work to do, and um, but that's you know a big building block for the season going forward. Long season, so there's plenty of time to to get that work in and sort of continue to build upon, put the building blocks together so that you guys can hit the ground running for a playoff run. That's the idea of a long season, the marathon that is an American Hockey League season. These episodes, I like to think they don't drag on for the listeners, but we have a lot of ground to cover here too on the podcast with you, Drake. But right off the get-go here, we got to dive in to one of our recurring segments that we do here. Usually we save this for later, but I got this earlier today and I said, we, we got to come in hot straight out of the gate with Let's this one. What we do here on the podcast is we have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. So they don't know who they're asking it to, but we say it can be completely wide open about whatever you want. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's serious, introspective, like it was last week. And I got this question from our previous guest, and I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> this, with the guy that we have on, being yourself, and with this question, we might be here all day. Oh. Or you might just wrap it up real quickly. You might be like, this is what I think, and this is where we go. Drake, are you ready for me to pop the question? I'm ready. In the world, the entire world, planet Earth, are there more eyes or more legs? In the world, more eyes or legs? Um, well, if you want to go from... Just the human body perspective, I would guess it's relatively the same because you'd have two eyes and two legs for a majority of people, obviously, right. give or take certain scenarios where someone may be missing a limb or even missing an eye. Yeah, exactly. But if you want to look at it from a broader perspective, um, you know, this table here in front of us, this table here has eight legs on it. Okay. You know, there's an eye on the lens of that of camera. Of this camera in here at Creation you know, Station. But that's yep. only one. So now we're, you know, we're up seven with the legs here. So uh, between the people and the furniture, I would say there's there's probably more legs than eyes is my. You're going to go with legs. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to throw a curveball at you here mm -hmm. because when the person asked or presented me with their question, I started asking like follow-ups here. Like what's allowed? Are we just talking people? And he said, no. Not just people, total legs and eyes. We didn't cover the possibility of furniture or cameras or things like that. So you're already outside the box. Oh, that's, that how we my, had. that's how my brain works. I'm I love outside it. the box. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But we were also talking about now you got to get into the animal kingdom. Okay. Mm. And bugs, they could swing this thing one way or another. Well, insects, you know, some have eight legs and two eyes, but... Do, well, I don't know. I don't know too much about animals and insects. But Spiders have, got a bunch of eyes. They have a lot of eyes, right? Some you got some some bug eye creatures. Flies with their compound eyes. I think they technically count as like hundreds of eyes. Oh, in one, right? That's illegal. That's elite. Well, I, an eye within an eye. They have eyes within eyes. Like if you if you're thinking of a fly and those big red saucers that are sticking out of yeah. their head. The red saucers are more of like a covering for hundreds of different eyes, thousands of eyes. But then you have millipedes and centipedes that are going to – how many millipedes and centipedes are there on planet Earth? Their legs are going to start to catch up ground pretty quickly on yeah, eyes. That's that's a deep question. Who asked that question? Uh, if you are curious as to who asked that question for you, I would ask you and our listeners to visit the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast archives located on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Okay. That's a deep question. That's, uh, 
I'm still going to stick with my legs answer. You're I don't sticking know. with legs. What is it about the legs that you think is really shifting? Is it furniture? Is I'm, that what's moving you? I'm thinking, you know, there's 8 billion people in the world. Mm-hmm. And that would probably even out. Eyes and legs would even out. Yeah. And like you said, like someone might be missing a limb, but you can also lose an eye. Like that. Yeah. So you, we'll call we'll, that a wash. I'm, I'm calling Without that a wash. knowing the numbers, we'll call it a wash. Yeah. And then, you know, going into like the animal kingdom, like majority of animals have two eyes and four, four legs. legs. Good point. So now you're doubling up there. And then you have the insects that, you know, some of them have 40 legs and some of them have two eyes and some of them have a hundred eyes and four legs so this is something i asked too if we want to now go into the ocean tentacles do not count as legs uh, so octopus can't go eight legs are they on planet earth or under earth they're they're on they're <laughs> on this marble they're on they're on the thing they're part of the, yeah yeah see i don't and then i don't know there's not that many underwater creatures with legs i don't know if there exactly. are any with legs there's so. not i was told tentacles do not count there's we've only discovered about one percent of the ocean so true too that's, who knows how many eyes are hanging out down there or legs yeah. for that matter yeah that might change things but i don't know man that's i'm i'm now i'm torn i don't know I'm, it, it's it's a battle it's tough that's like a 50 50 maybe a 51 49 difference i don't know I it's feel gonna like, be close do I, you remember there's the, no way of finding that out is there no unless you want to you know Retire early and start counting. Dedicate your life to the oh, count. I can barely count now. So <laughs> I'm good on that one. Yeah, I, I, I think you're going to make retire, the right I'll decision. I'll go into something different than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were you privy to? Whatever the, the the popular internet TikTok conversation was this time a year ago, where it was like more wheels or what was it? It was wheels versus doors. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a TikTok guy because I just. It spread everywhere, though. Yeah, I saw Did it you on, hear that? I, I'm one of those old school guys that sees TikTok videos on Instagram. <laughs> so it comes. My I get the video about a month after. A month after, on TikTok yeah. Saw it, but um, yeah, I think it was Wheels and Doors, and I don't know. That's another. That's another crazy one. Did you follow anywhere on that debate? Uh, off the top of my head, I would. I would kind of guess Doors. I was firmly in the Wheels camp. Because I also started thinking like machinery, how many things have like little wheels inside of them that that's going to put it over the top. And then I guess to that same point, uh, if we're including furniture in our discussion with like legs, how many like eyes, like do eyelets count as eyes when you're talking about like screws and nuts and bolts putting things together? That's where you need a more definitive way of asking the question you got you got outside the box and immediately blew up this question yeah like this because we did not consider we might have to start another podcast just strictly on these topics the secondary <laughs> podcast the wilkesbury scranton penguin <laughs> spinoff podcast eyes or legs yeah eyes or legs oh just deep thoughts deep thoughts with the players um yeah i don't know don't, like think about a hotel or an apartment complex how many doors are just in there not, yeah. not to mention the bathroom doors and I don't know, like that might not be a door. That's more of a drawer. That's a drawer, but this but drawer on the table them, that we're recording on, there's them. wheels to make it yeah. pull in and out. And then you got, you know, tires on the car, but then you also got four doors or two doors. And does the trunk count as a door? I, I don't know. Like, Ooh. You know, it's, that's, I don't know. These are things that. Are t- pizzas considered a wheel? Because that is a nickname for a wheel. Or I, a pizza, sorry. These are things that we discussed as well. 
whenever this debate came up in the front office here, uh, the Penguins' offices at Cole Street. I said, no, not any circle can be a wheel. It has to function As rolling a, yeah. to, you know, to accomplish something, some mechanical purpose, whether it's travel, whether it's pulling in and out of drawer. Yeah. A pizza, while called a wheel, serves no purpose other than to eat it because then you can't call each individual slice of pepperoni on the pizza wheel a wheel. Right. Circles are not wheels. Wheels have to serve a purpose. Yeah. Well, if you're going, if you want to go through like all the machinery and there's all those tiny little wheels within. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was team wheels. That's that sounds like a good answer to me. But then the same question was asked: Does anyone want to count? It's an answer we will never have. Yeah. Just gives people something to talk about, I guess. <laughs> Case in point. Get the likes. Get the likes and the, right now. And the followers. <laughs> likes. Five stars. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> oh, so so are you still sticking with legs? I know you've, you've gonna, started to be swayed. I'm going to stick with my, my gut and go with legs. I, I don't think there is a wrong answer any, here. If anyone wants to prove me wrong, Pull up the numbers. You can count it yourself and come come let pull me know. Pull up the numbers. <laughs> Some, can... Someone's going to show up at practice here at Cole Street and pull out one of those like long like oh, legal my... pads, whip it out on the floor. It's like, look at this. Yeah. Hey, if they want to do that, that's fine because at least I didn't have to count them. <laughs> yeah, they took they did the work for <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Sure, I trust you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that did uh, take up a good chunk of yep. our podcast here. I was afraid that we would be here like 40 minutes, an hour later, and we would just be discussing eyes and legs. But I do yeah. love how – your brain went immediately outside just human body, organic material. You said that is how your brain works. You're you're just an outside-the-box guy. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm very by the book. Um, <laughs> but I had, I had a teacher in, like, fourth grade. He'd always, you know, back when there was chalkboards, not whiteboards or smartboards, all smart that. He, you know, he'd be on the chalkboard, and he'd always write these, like, little puzzles. And it would be, like, a word inside of a box, and it would be, like, Say he wrote the word Jack and then wrote a square and okay. he'd be like, "What? What is this?" And people are like, oh, it "Just says Jack." Jack. And it's like, "No, it's Jack in a box." Okay. And like he do like little puzzles like that to like get your brain to think in different ways. Um, and he always had like three or four of them every single morning when he got to school. So that's how we started the, our school day in like fourth grade. Mister Deswanick was his name. Shout um, out. But yeah, it's. I mean, that's just kind of the way I think about like. People might ask you a question, but like, it, there's probably a deeper meaning to that question. Like, there's not just a simple as we all like to think. It might not just be a yes or no question. Like, there's a lot more that can go into things. So, um, let the brain let the brain spin a little bit and come up with something uh, a little bit different. Did you apply your outside the box thinking in school at all? Like, what did you study at UND? I was a kinesiology major, um, which was very interesting for me, being an athlete. Yeah. Um, it's the study of the body and it allowed me to kind of get a better grasp of, you know, off ice recovery, uh, workout plans, diet stuff, all related to athletes. Yeah. And when you're a division one athlete aiming to go play professionally, you know, that was a huge help for me. I never finished it. I still had two classes left, I think. Um, so I graduated with a general studies degree. Sorry, mom. But, um, no, it was, that was something that was very interesting. And, you know, I had to do an internship at the gym and all that sort of stuff. Oh, so okay. I, I had, there was a lot of it that I could relate to my everyday activities, whether it was working out and training or recovery practice games. If I had an injury, I could kind of understand what the medical team was talking about when they related it to muscles or joints and stuff uh -huh. like that. So, 
um, yeah, it was actually a pretty interesting, a pretty interesting uh, field of study for me. I just kind of wish I would have finished it. Yeah. Would you say like two classes or something? Yeah, two classes. Classes in the the course load or just like two classes, two credits that could have been anything. And you uh, got the in degree. the course load. So oh, okay. My last semester there, guidance counselor. You know, we're making a push to. You know, we're ranked number two or three in the country and had a good chance of getting to the um, Frozen Four. And guidance counselor said, well, if you if you don't go to the Frozen Four, you're going to go and play pro early. You're going to leave school. So, like, you know, maybe take some easier classes just to kind of get you through the semester and you can take them online at, at some point in the summertime or right. like during the hockey season the next year. Um, and if you do go to the Frozen Four and you don't go play pro early, well, you're probably not going to want to be studying anyway after you just won a national championship so you know just make it easier on yourself just you know kind of put those you know for the summertime and I took that advice and you know we did get to the national championship and you know I went to look for the classes online in the summer and they weren't offered I looked at it one more time that next hockey season in the fall and spring semester and they weren't offered online and I just said "Um, I'm good with just taking this uh, general studies degree for now but I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't know. Maybe one day I can go back and finish. I don't know what I don't know what the requirements would be to go back. Yeah. After... Like, and what's like the statute of limitations on the, on the credits? Like, I have no idea. I can mean, you just seven... jump back in with the two to go, or are they going to make you start from scratch? If I don't know. If that's the case, I'm not doing that. <laughs> if it's if it's two classes, that could be something I look into. But yeah. I, I would need a big refresher on a lot of that stuff anyway. So it's you know, maybe find a new hobby or something find a new hobby or something but it's funny you say like this is how you end up two credits short because it ends up being a uh, perfect segue for me asking you about that national championship run that you and uh, the University of North Dakota had in 2016 wow I remember obviously watching it from afar here in northeast Pennsylvania we're always tuned into the tournament games guys will always uh, you know be jawing at each other if they're from a certain school and someone beats another one or someone gets knocked out early or someone ends up going deep. So we're watching it. Carter Rowney was on the team at the time here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, proud North Dakota alum. So he was glued to it all. And every game it was Kajula just scored two or Kajula had three points. You end up being named most outstanding player as North Dakota wins. I didn't realize this. I had to look this up earlier today. That was their first national championship in like 13, 14 years. 16 years. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You knew the number right off the top of your head. It was a long drought for a program that's almost annually, you know, ranked number one in the country or right in the mix, top 10, going to frozen fours or things like that. And you guys are the group that end up winning it all. You play a key role in it. What do you remember about that run and that time in, in your career? I feel like I remember almost everything. And at the same time, you almost feel like you for, yeah, you don't remember. Yeah, it's all blurred. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it was an incredible year. I remember, very first game of the season we were playing in like a opening tournament of the year and we we're playing against Lake Superior State who you know no disrespect to them but they're not in the same class as they're North lower Dakota, down the totem you know? pole than, yeah. yeah and I think we were down three nothing on their first three shots oh and we called the timeout and our coach just looked at our goalie and said that's enough and that was it. We ended up coming back, winning that game 4-3, 5-3, and we just kind of looked around like, man, we have a good team around here. And sh- you know, sure enough, we won you know four, five, six in a row, and we're looking around like, we have a really good team. We like we're going to win the national championship this year. And every year at North Dakota, that's the goal. Like you don't, yeah. you know, the conference tournament and the number one seed. Like 
yeah, you want all those things, but the goal is the national championship. It doesn't matter if you get in as the last seed or the first seed. Like, the goal is to win a national championship. And um, No moral victories at that school. Yeah. yeah, and it's national championship or bust. And, you know, my first year there, we were ranked number one. We lost in the regional finals. Uh, my second year there, we went to the na- national championship semifinals and lost. And we were snuck in as like a 16 seed that year. The next year after that, we were one seed and lost in the semifinals again. Yeah. And then we were another one seed the last year. And, um, you know, we were just able to kind of pull through and, and get through that semifinal. But, I mean, we had that game against Denver in the semifinals. We were up 2 nothing. They came back to make it 2-2. And we scored a goal with like a minute to go in the game. And we had been on the other side of that, you know, so many times throughout you know the history of of North, North Dakota, Dakota like, hockey. Yeah, you know my second year there, we lost to the University of Minnesota, huge rival. They scored with 0.6 seconds left, shorthanded, you know, to win the game. Like, yeah, just like those little things just kept kind of happening to our school, and we were able to, you know, pull through and and win. And I just remember like it. It's so important to the team and the players, and but the school and the community and how much they care about the hockey program there and the support that we got. Like it was it's like unmatched and they treat you so well. And, um, to win a national championship for that school was pretty special. Yeah. For people who, who don't know, Grand Forks, North Dakota is like, I don't want to say college hockey central. Cause there's a lot of great college hockey towns mm-hmm. in this country, but man, oh man, do they love their North Dakota hockey? Yeah. It, it is I like call it the Mecca, the Mecca yep. of college hockey. They'll, yeah. they'll even do, um, they'll do regional games in the national tournament there in Grand Forks because they know, people are going to show up. They'll be able to fill the building. It's not, you know, a big city like Boston or Philly or yeah. something like that, but every year you can probably circle Grand Forks as a regional because they're so passionate about their college hockey. They're so passionate about the Fighting Hawks, and they want to get a damn national championship every oh, yeah. single year. So you, yep. like you said, too, you know, sometimes, you know, someone might ask, you know, oh, how did it feel to win a national championship? And it's like, uh, really good. Like, that's yeah. the obvious <laughs> question. But you bring up all that extra context of how you guys were so close and all those heartbreaks beforehand and all the added passion and probably pressure of playing for that program in that city, in that town, that it's got to make it so much sweeter to, to get to the mountaintop. Absolutely. I mean, being in those positions prior years and, and falling short and you're going to class and everyone knows who you are and they're like, I can't believe you guys lost. And you get reminded of that. Yeah, it's like, every, yeah, I know. You know, they get reminded of that yeah. every day. And then like, you know, the next year, they're like, okay, this is our year. Like, our team's even better. We have another first-round pick coming in. We have this young free agent kid coming in. Like, we have, you know, we have that ability to get there every year. And, you know, it's hard. It's a one-game elimination, and anything could happen. A bounce of the puck or just have an off night one night. Like, anything could happen. And, you know, to finally to finally win after, you know, 16 years. I was there for 14 years, but you kind of – once you get into the program, you take on – you know, all this, the hardships that were there before and, mm-hmm. um, you know, to win was, was extremely special. And, you know, like I said, you're going to class with your teammates and you're living with your teammates. Like you spend your entire college life with those 25 to 28 guys, however many guys are on a team. And, you know, that's obviously a special bond that we have amongst ourselves. And then, you know, the alumni that are, have reached out and, you know, the future guys that go in there, like everyone gets to enjoy that. And, you know, it's, it's pretty special. I just saw they did like the 40th anniversary 
uh, for a team that won in like the 82, I think it was, or yeah. something like that. So um, that was pretty cool. And, you know, I'm looking forward to when we can all get together and do like a 20 year anniversary or something like that. So we do a golf trip with the, all the guys every summer, which is a lot of fun. And, From that championship team? Yep. And oh, then that's like awesome. other guys that we have played with throughout those years. Some guys are older, some guys are younger, but um, there's like 25, 30 guys that go on this trip and we pick a new city every summer and that turns into a bit of a, a bit of a riot, but it's yes. a lot of fun to catch up with guys. And some guys are still playing. Some guys are, you know, doing completely different things now. Some yeah. guys have kids, some guys don't. Um, but it's just nice to kind of still have that bond and, um, you know, winning has that effect on, on players for sure. It's like an annual high school reunion, but for champions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun to get together with those guys and, you know, I see them, I play against some of them and, yeah. um, you know, you try and catch up when you can, but obviously when you get to see them for, you know, four or five days in the summer, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. When the competition isn't necessarily on the ice, I'm sure the, the golf game gets a little bit competitive, but yep. it, you know, there's, there's less at stake, yeah, so absolutely. to say, in those ones. Yeah. Um, and with that national title run, as we were talking about, I mentioned MVP, most outstanding player of the national tournament. Do you get anything for that? Do you get a plaque? Do you get a trophy, or is it just a bullet point in the game notes? Uh, I got a, I believe I got a trophy or a plaque, and then my game worn jersey and stick were in the Hockey Hall of Fame really? for a year. So I think with the college hockey, the Hockey Hall of Fame does a like a little showcase area for college hockey. They have the teams from the whatever the last year. Um, they have the, the final four teams, like they have their pictures and a little bit of a yeah. information about them. And then the, uh, national championship trophy. And then also the most outstanding player, um, also has his, you know, it could be gloves or Jersey or whatever. Yeah, so it was, but my, it was Jersey was, and stick. I think it was my Jersey and my stick, which I think that's the wrong stick. Cause I threw my stick into the crowd at a not at a kid, but towards a kid. Yeah. Um, after the game, so they just. No, you tried to harpoon <laughs> yeah. some child. No, I can't say that on there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think it was the right stick. But anyways, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to have that in there, and I was in there for a full year, so I had friends and family that are like, "Hey, I took my nephew or my my son to the Hall of Fame. We saw your jersey in there. Like, this is awesome." So, um, it's pretty cool to to have that, you know, memory for myself. That is something else. Some would say that's even better than a plaque or a trophy to say, like, yeah, I was in the Hockey Hall of Fame for a year. <laughs> yeah. Not, like, to visit. Like, yeah. my stuff was in the Hockey Hall yeah. of Fame. It was on full display there. So that was uh, – that's pretty cool and um, not something that everybody can say. And you know, Few people can say that. Like, yeah. 1% of human beings that have ever played the game probably can say that. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not – like I said, I'm not a math guy. So. <laughs> no, neither am I. <laughs> so I guess I should dial that back, too. But I feel like that sounds right. Yeah, so – yeah, very, very, very cool honor. Um, again, like we had an amazing team. We had like I think thirteen guys from that team signed pro contracts, and yeah. um, the following year, guys that were still on the team, they ended up signing pro contracts. So we had a we had a phenomenal team. So obviously, I didn't do anything by myself. I had a great team around me and and great line mates. And Nick Schmaltz and Brock Besser were yep. both doing extremely well in the NHL right now. And um, you know, I was able to play with them and, you know, sometimes you just get hot at the right moments. And, um, that was a lot of fun that season. It was, yeah. it was a blast. Got hot in the biggest moments yeah. there. And you talk about all the guys that ended up signing pro contracts, you obviously being one of them, but that was sort of a, a bidding war for your services coming out of school. You have the 
fantastic run, win the national title, win that accolade as most outstanding player, and then it seemed like every NHL team was knocking on your door. I I remember from that time, Drake Kajula was a name that was always on the Twitter insiders' feeds and things like that. I'm not sure how much of that outside noise you could hear during that period of time. We've spoken to other guys on the podcast like, oh, yeah, you were a free agent. What was that process like? Why'd you settle on the Penguins or something like that? But we've never talked to the guy who was really the bell of the ball. What do you remember about that time? And, you know, was it stressful? Was it exciting to be, you know, the girl everyone wanted to take to the prom? Like, what was that all like? It was a little bit of both. I mean, you just won a national championship. You're riding this massive high and you want to just celebrate with your teammates. Like the last thing I wanted to do at that point was think pro hockey. Like I, I have probably a month left of, of, of school, of school. Yeah. You know, just won a national championship. Like I, in my mind, I was like, let's let's enjoy the last month of school. You know, have you know some party time with my friends, enjoy the national championship, and like, you know, in my mind, I was like, let's just get to that like in June or something. Yeah. And the reality was that that's that's not how it uh, how it goes. And um, you know, I was very fortunate to have you know a pick of multiple multiple teams, and um, you know, my agent and I we went on a couple of visits to different teams uh over i don't know like a two-week period we flew out to a couple of different teams and heard their pitch i guess yeah, about yeah what the city's like what the organization's like where would i fit in in the organization plans um all that sort of stuff and it was it was really cool i got to meet a lot of unbelievable hockey names like every team that i went to had some alumni there to sit with us at dinner or you know, you got to get the tour of the facilities and they showed you all the stuff and they bring you into the coach's room and show you the depth charts. And that way you can kind of picture yourself where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's where I know, fit. Here's where I fit. And what's it allowed me to actually make an educated decision because I know some guys that have gone through this process and it's a phone call and they have 24 hours to make a decision. And how do you how do you do that? You're, that's, that's a major life you decision. Know, you're yeah. 20 years old and. You know, three teams call you and they say, you got to let us know by 9 a.m. tomorrow. And you're like, I don't even, I know nothing yeah. about that city. I know nothing about that organization. I don't know but a I single have, guy in it. Yeah. I don't, yeah, but I got a contract offer from them. So, like, is is it good? And typically the money would be all the same. So, it's not about the money. Yeah. It's about setting yourself up to play. Um, so, that was a huge piece for me it Was is where do I have the best opportunity to play in the NHL and you know, ultimately I chose Edmonton. They had a extremely young team and I was a young kid and I was thinking I could, you know, go into this organization and grow with the other players yeah. there. And, um, you're all in similar life situations being young. Most guys are single, like, you know, you, you all kind of blend in together. And, you know, at the time they weren't a very good team. They had all their young players were playing. Yeah. So when I looked at the depth chart of the minors, like they're like, we don't, have a minor league call up guy like we don't like we everyone's playing so yeah. like if you have a good camp like you'll be here yeah and playing in a canadian market edmonton's got a great fan base so i was like this is they got a brand new arena my first year i was like okay, so that this, was the first year of the new barn okay. yeah so i was like this sounds great to me you got mcdavid and dry and jordan eberly was there at the time taylor hall was there and then he got traded in the off season like darnell nurse was darnell, he there yet? Yeah, yeah darnell okay. nurse like Matt Benning is another guy. I was roommates with him. Like, 
same age, both coming out of college as free agents, like exact same situation. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I'm going to walk into a room and everyone's going to be 20 to 22 years old and I'll fit right in perfectly here. Everyone's in the same life situation. And, um, yeah, it was, that's ultimately what it came down to and, and made that decision. And it was hard. It was stressful. Like I had, I, my old college coach was coaching in Philadelphia. Dave Haxtell was coaching in Philadelphia and I, I turned him down for, you know, personal reason. I just, nothing against him. I just, right, right. I wanted my own start. Like I didn't want people to be like, oh, you're, you're Haxie's you guy know, or something. You're following your, you're following your coach and mm-hmm. oh, you got ice time because of your coach and all that. Like, I just was like, I'm going to, I want to do this on my own. I've always been a firm believer and you earn everything you get. And I just didn't want that stigma for stigma. how hard you worked and exactly. how, how hard exactly. you busted your backside to get to where you were. Exactly. So I, like that was a difficult situation. I, he coached me for three years yeah. at school and I had to sit him. I sat down with him in Philadelphia, listened to his pitch. Then he flew back to Grand Forks cause he still had a house there, met with me again. Then I had to call him and tell him like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to go to Edmonton instead. And like, that's heartbreaking. Like I had a really, really good relationship with him and I, I mean, you try to tell them as much as you can. It's not a personal thing, but it's, you know, you never know how people are going to take it. And I don't think he did take it in the wrong way, but it's just like that. Those are difficult decisions. And I'm 20, 21 years old, like call my parents. and I don't know what to do. Like, I've never been in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's not as much advice that they can, they can give you. Yeah, exactly. So you rely on, you know, teammates that have gone through that. You rely on your coaches at the time, your agent. And I mean, it, it was a blast. It was so much fun. I was very fortunate to be in that predicament, but at the same time, it, I wish some ways, I wish it was just like a easier, Oh, this one team wants to sign me. Perfect. Like I can just kind of just pick the yeah. one team, but um, it was, it was a very cool experience. There's, I've got tons of stories. I could write a book probably about what we did. I had like a two week tour. It was, it was crazy. That's wild. Yeah. That's it was wild. it was something special. So my my agent and I we wrote down every detail we could about the entire experience. And he's always like, one day you could write a book. And I'm like, I'm not a great writer either. Not you good, should. I'm not good at math, and I'm not a good writer. writer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, good, good thing at, you're good at hockey. Yeah, I'm good at skating and shooting and lifting stuff in the gym. So <laughs> kinesiology makes there sense. There we go. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh, I've sat down with my buddies from back home that. You know, they're working their nine to five or whatever. And we go on the golf course in the summer and they're like, tell me about that experience. And I'm, I give them the full rundown. And by the end of it, it's the first hole. And now it's the 18th hole. Yeah, like it, it takes a whole. It's, yeah, it's a full long story. But again, do we have another spinoff podcast on our hands. Oh, I, Are we getting more maybe. spinoffs? Here? I don't know. I don't know. We we'll have to wait for the book to come out. If that yes. ever OK, does. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it to pump the book because yeah. I would read that book for I, sure. It was it was really cool. Just the amount of people that I got to meet, the experiences like it's it's unmatched for anything I've ever done. Like it was it was extremely cool, and I was very very grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, I'm grateful you you could share that with us here. The 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 detailed sort of I know you even left so much you know yeah, on the lot, table. There's but, a lot of it that but that's very I detailed save. explanation of you know the process and all the you know like you said the stresses, but the excitement and all that stuff. Yeah. Good description. Uh, I know at lunch the other day in Springfield, you were doing your best to try and explain to some of the canadian and european guys the magnitude of the michigan ohio state game oh yeah you were tuned into that one i had it on on my laptop the yeah. other side of the room too i'm not sure how much of that got through to those guys but i don't know i i i was an ontario kid so like my whole life was 
the OHL. Like I yeah. growing up was playing the OHL and like that's your way to the NHL. Like OHL or nothing. Like, yeah. That was that's all I knew. I didn't really know what college hockey was. I didn't know I barely even knew what the WHL was. Like I just yeah. everything was so focused on the OHL. And as I got older, you know, then you start you know, with the internet and TV high, like you're like, Oh, what's, what's this college hockey? And then I remember watching Jonathan Taves play in the world juniors. And I'm like, he's the yeah. only kid that doesn't play major junior. Like, where does this guy play? He plays at the university of North Dakota. And so I look up university of North Dakota and I'm like, wow. Like if I could ever play college hockey, like that's where I would go. But in my mind, I still wanted to play in the OHL. Okay. But I was like, if I had to go to play college, like that's where I want to go. That's the spot. And as I got older, I was probably like 11 years old at that time. Um, but as I got older, like that kind of became more of a reality of like, well, maybe college is actually the better way for me to go. I was always smaller and, you know, 145 pounds. Like the year I got drafted in the OHL, like I wasn't ready to play against men. So I yeah. had to play a year junior and got some school offers. And I was like, this just makes more sense. Like, I'm just going to do this and was fortunate to go to North Dakota, but you don't realize as a Canadian how passionate Americans are about, you know, their alma maters or their current school that they're in. Like it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, hockey's the number one sport at North Dakota, I would say. And that's, you know, I think fair. You go to Michigan, you know, you got the basketball team, you got hockey and you got football. football. And like, those are passionate, passionate fans. And when they're playing Ohio state, like some, like people that have never experienced the U S college have no idea how don't big, recognize yeah, yeah no how, idea how big of a rivalry that is and even bigger scale too with it being football game with however many fans they can squeeze into the shoe think, however many yeah. fans they can squeeze into the big house when and it's they're there both, and both 11 and 0 college playoff on the line like you're, you're like that's what it is you win you're in you lose you're out and yeah. it's against the team you hate the most exactly like, i'm like those are the stakes it couldn't be set up better right like it's it's like a movie at that point right like yeah you, you, that's exactly how you would write it up if you're doing a movie and I mean, I've I've never watched college football ever. I never even really watched the NFL growing up. Yeah. But then as soon as I got down to the States, it just kind of sucks you in. Yeah. You know, Saturday is college football day and Sunday is NFL. And, like, we'd play Friday, Saturday in college. And so Saturday afternoon or we're waiting for the game, college football would just be playing all day. Every TV. All day. Every TV in the arena, at home. And then we had Sundays off. So we'd all just sit on the couch Sunday have some greasy college meal and we would watch football from one o'clock till 10 PM and then go to sleep and That's get ready to do it, get ready for Monday practice. So it, I mean, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, how passionate people are about their schools and the universities that they went to. Like it's, it's a big deal. And I Canadians, we just, it's not the same back home. So you can't really explain to someone who's never experienced that college atmosphere before. You seem to have got a grasp on it, though. You figured it out from your time coming down here to the States, playing college hockey, go figure, at the place that you had circled watching Jonathan Taves and the World Juniors, too. But you've been able to understand the weight of all that stuff. And that's why for our next segment, Drake, we're going to test your your knowledge or at least your feelings on these subjects by playing a game that we call semantics. Okay. Semantics, 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 you be the judge. 
Drake, what we do with semantics is I take a word or a turn of phrase that I think has too cloudy of a meaning, and I want it to be more streamlined. I want walls to be put up on each side and say, like, this is what this means, okay? In the past, we've described elite. What does it mean to actually be elite? I don't want it to be cloudy. I want it to be nailed down. Last week, we talked about a playoff run. What does it mean to go on a playoff run? It's just making the playoffs enough. How deep do you have to go? We got answers now. We know what these words mean, and everyone who listens to this podcast has to abide by it. No wiggle room. (laughs) So, Drake, you are now given the ultimate power in this respect, and I want to know what qualifies as a rivalry. What does it mean to actually be a rival? We'll talk about in the context of sports, right? Because I know this is one we could break out Merriam-Webster, and they'll tell us what a rival is or a rivalry is, but no, no, no. We could say, like, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and the Springfield Thunderbirds or the Bridgeport Islanders are Atlantic Division rivals. But is there enough venom to really call it a rivalry? No. No, I think our fans would feel the same way. So I ask you, Drake Kajula, what benchmarks need to be met in order to truly be a rivalry? Oh. Like in a sentence, or like, like uh, can I just list yeah, off like proximity? Yeah, like proximity yeah. is a big thing. You I think, think proximity matters? Boom, I think go. proximity matters. I think you know, Lehigh and Hershey—they're both what is an hour-ish yeah, away, exactly, like, give or take. You know, that's that's always been a big thing. Whether you're in high school in the school down the street, like that—that's your rival. because yes. you're literally on the same right block. next to each other. Makes it um, easy to forge a rival. You know, so that's. That's how, like, that's a, just a natural way that it just becomes a rivalry. Before, even if one team's really good and the other team's not good, like, mm-hmm. it, you're just you, you're just the same block. You're on the same block. You don't like that person because, you know, they're one street over from you. Yeah. Um, and then, for me, I think rivalries get built over playing a team. You know, we play those teams twelve, 12 times. Twelve times. Ugh. Yes. So you get sick of just lining up against the same guy, even if you. Maybe he hasn't hit you all the all previous season. six games. Maybe but, he hasn't hit yeah. you once, but you're lining up against that guy for the seventh game in the last 15 games that you've played, and you just like I I don't like you. I'm yeah. sick of looking at you, <laughs> and you know you just you have that inner hate for someone because you just you're constantly butting heads. Yeah, okay. And then the other thing is typically playoffs, and when you're playing against. Mm division teams um you know the old format in the nhl i don't know what it's always been down here but the old format in the nhl was if you won your division you got the top seeds and everybody else was just filtered in based on points one through eight and then they switched it to you play through your division before you get to the other division and then once you finish that division then you go across and play the other conference correct so i think back then it was you know you had you might have had teams that were rivals and they only played each other two or three times a season but they'd somehow get locked in at four and five or, you know, three and six, and they'd be playing against each other in playoffs two or three years in a row. And now you're just, you're like, they knocked us out last year. This guy hit someone from behind and separated his shoulder. And, you know, it's, that's part of hockey. Like those things happen, but that's where the rivalries truly, I think are born. And from what I've heard about here, we play Hershey a lot in the playoffs. Like we've played Hershey a lot in the playoffs. It's been a long time since the Penguins and Phantoms have met in the playoffs, either iterations from Adirondack or Philadelphia. But talking to people around this area, the Penguins and Hershey Bears rivalry has grown over time because of those playoff meetings. Mm -hmm. But in the early days of the franchise, 
it was Philadelphia that people hated more because they played Philadelphia in the playoffs more frequently early on. Right. They would still play each other a ton in the regular season, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and Hershey, but and Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and Philadelphia. But because they played each other in the playoffs, for a long time, people considered the Phantoms to be the bigger rival. Yeah. And since I've been here, I've heard more so Hershey is the bigger rival. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's turned into. Which which I could see. Like, I've, I've played them, I mean, I think I've, I think I've played 14 games this year, and I've played them five or six times already. Five times? Yeah. Like, half my games down here have been against them. The Hershey Bears, that so, team. Exactly. So, like, I've, I've, you know, it's hard. Like, you go from, you know, one team to another team, and that team has history with that other, like, that other team, but you're new on the team. So, you're like, well, I don't really hate them. I've never had something going on with them. But you kind of just get swallowed up by – all the noise about it and you you know you start to learn how to hate that other team yeah and then sure enough those games are you know they're tight games they're heated games you know there's always a little bit of something extra going on and you just get brought into the fight and you know i think that's what makes hockey so fun is having those rivals so i think for me it's proximity sheer amount of times you play them and then playoff experience against them proximity frequency playoff experience this is just me jumping in. You can slap me down. I think that is in the correct order, too, in ascending order, because I think of perhaps legendary rivalries like in basketball, Boston Celtics and Los Angeles Lakers. There is no proximity there, but because they were meeting in the finals year after year and with everything being on the line playoff experience, that becomes an iconic rivalry in the history of that sport. Mm-hmm. So proximity is at the bottom of the totem pole, but it makes it easier to, like you said, hate the guy across the street whenever you're closer to each other. Yep. Colorado Avalanche and Detroit Red Wings. The blood feud. Yep. Geographically, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It's not like they played each other a ton during the regular season, but you mentioned, oh, that guy hit us from behind a year ago or something. That whole rivalry was stemmed not so much out of, oh, we're two really good teams that could win the cup, but yep. because there was one dirty hit that one time, and they hated each other for 10 years afterwards. Mm-hmm. The people who were involved in that initial sequence weren't even on the teams anymore. I know. And they hated each other. Yep. And I love that you brought up, like, hey, like that stuff can linger over multiple seasons. If you truly do hate that other team, oh yeah, it will. <laughs> that is the, kindle, the powder keg Absolutely. that can blow up a true rivalry. But that also brings me to something I don't think you mentioned. What about time? Because the blood feud between the Red Wings and Avalanche now, it's not so much a blood feud. It's more like Hawaiian punch. Yeah. They say it's a rivalry, but is yeah. it, though? How how long can you go between playoff meetings or combustible moment like a dirty hit? How far can you go in between until the rivalry fades? Is there a time? I, I don't know if there's a number, but there definitely is times where it fades, like... The Battle of Alberta, for example. Calgary, Edmonton, a classic. Like, if you go back in history, like, those were bloodbaths. Yeah. And when I first got there, you know, you know that it's a rivalry and you kind of get up a little bit more for that game. The fans don't like each other. The teams don't like each other. But it didn't really, the way the teams were built, it didn't really have that. It was missing some oomph. Yeah. You know, okay. like, we were both good teams. But how many times did you play each other in the regular season? Sorry to interrupt. Six, five, or, eight? or six. Okay, and then uh, potentially playoffs, but we didn't play them in playoffs when I was there. 
Um, but the the teams just didn't have that makeup to like play a dirty game or something like that. We we're both more skilled teams and and played like a faster game. Um, but then sure enough, years later, Calgary got tougher. Edmonton brought in some tougher guys, and sure enough, you have a full line brawl and a and a goalie fight, and they're like, "Okay, this is this is the battle of Alberta that we've been missing for twenty years." Um, so like, there I wouldn't say there's like a time. It's not like oh, after ten years, like you're not rivals, rivals anymore. anymore. But there is a time, or maybe a, a, like a a break where it kind of cools off. I, it might be a bad thing to say online, but like think about like a a war between countries, like. You know, they might hate each other and they go to war and then it might cool off for a couple decades and then all of a sudden they're back at war. They're back at it again. And they maybe they weren't ever not officially at war, but they're now physically you know, now they're physically back at war again, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's kind of the way sports works is, you know, you might have a rivalry with someone, you know, maybe one team gets really, really good and another team kind of falls off and you know, it doesn't really become a rivalry anymore or it kind of loses that to it because you know the same team just wins every time and you know the games aren't close if then the teams kind of you know even out again and it tighter games gets a little bit more feisty and it can kind of rekindle that that flame so it's that's a that's a good question so let's go through our requirements again in ascending order proximity is there a amount of distance where Maybe not necessarily you can't be rivals if you're further than this, but you are rivals if you're as close as this. Does that make sense? Um, I get what you're saying. I think, like, typically rivalries... Can you put a hard number on it? No, I don't think there's a hard number, but typically it's your... The t- the closest teams to you are always the ones you don't like the most, right? Like, it's just, like, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Hey, well, they're they're hey. the two, you know, the two Pennsylvania teams. Right. They're like, well... Who's the best in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Like, that's just the bragging rights. Like, we live on First Street, and there's two high schools on First Street. Who's the best team on First Street? Like, that's kind yeah. of... But you even said, even though you didn't say a hard number or something, like 10 yeah. miles, 100 miles, 1,000 miles, Within, you know, the closest team. The closest team. The closest team. You're kind of automatically rivals just for sheer bragging rights purposes. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Proximity, frequency, how many times do you have to meet? I mean... It's hard when you're opposing conferences and you play each other twice a year, right? Like you just, that makes it more difficult, right? You know, that's a big reason why the blood feud died down because yeah, Detroit moved, moved to, the to the east. east. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes it only takes three or four games to to create something, right? So I would say typically within your division, you're playing a team. I mean, down here we're playing twelve, twelve times 12 NHL, times, 10 six times, times in division, six times like. Anywhere from four to ten times, you're gonna get a hate on for just someone. naturally. And sometimes it's just one guy, one guy on your team or one guy on their team doesn't like one guy on the other team, and then everybody it's a, it's a team because you play enough times that hatred filters over through team. the locker so room. Then, you know that guy takes yeah, a run at that guy. That guy takes a run at him, and you're like, well, that's my teammate. You just took a run at him, so now I'm gonna come to his aid, and now okay, now you're sucked into this, and then they bring another guy in, and now you have five guys pushing and shoving, and then that carries over to the next shift and it just keeps building and building and building. So sometimes it just takes, you know, a player from each team to kind of, you know, light that flame. So proximity, frequency, playoff experience. How many playoff series? 
Can it just be one? I one think, playoff series is enough. And if it, think, there's enough combustion going on there. I think it could just be one because, you know, typically you're playing that team within your division in, in the first rounds or whatever, right? So you battle them 12 times in a year, then you play them in a best of five or whatever it is to start or best of seven, like, and then they end your season or you end theirs. So when the next season starts, you're like, all right, screw these guys. They sent us home early or vice versa. You sent them home early. So now they kind of want revenge. Yeah. And it just, and they're going ampl- for you and it amplifies it a little bit more. And then sure enough, you play each other the next year and you're like, here we go again. Like we have to knock them out again. And they're like, they're not, they're not knocking us out twice. So it, it gets even more heated. So I think one, one playoff round is enough. One playoff round is enough to start it. Yep. How many do you need to maintain it? That's where the time element I brought up before comes in. I mean, if you went a year on and a year off and a year on and a year I off. I think that's enough. That's plenty. Yeah. I, and when it starts to get to like two, three straight years where you, know, you don't play them at all. Now we get a simmer. It simmers down a little bit. But then again, as soon as you play each other again, it kind of reignites it. So it's kind of like a, a slowly dying fire and then you just pour a little kerosene on it and there it suddenly goes. it's real big again yeah. <laughs> yeah okay well there we go we've got a little bit more distinction yeah. as to what actually qualifies as a rivalry it's one of those things i think people bandy about too often when it comes to the wilkes granted penguins hershey and lehigh valley i think are the top two for all the obvious reasons mm-hmm. but the other team that i think people i mean certain penguins fans know what i'm going to say and other Penguins fans might be like, "What? why them? The Providence Bruins. Because they've played in the playoffs so many dang times. And it's like what you said. There were like three years in a row, then one year off, then another year. And there wasn't one thing that happened necessarily that everyone's trying to make up for avenge the following year or two playoff years later. It's just you meet so many dang times between regular season and playoffs that I don't like playing Providence. Yep. Uh, we we better beat Providence. Yep. And we always meet in the playoffs. It's actually been what I think last time was sixteen seventeen. I remember that playoff series like it was yesterday, but this is like the longest break without playoff meetings between Penguins and Providence since like the early twenty tens. Wow. The twenty tens what do they call them? The aughts? No. I have no idea. The twenty tens. Whatever. <laughs> the twenty tens was basically just Penguins versus Bruins in the Calder Cup playoffs. You could count on it every single year. Wow. Yeah. That that I mean that'll That'll, that'll do it, get, eh? That'll, that'll get it going Even for the play- sure. Names and faces have changed. Yep. But you keep meeting this team in the playoffs, we better beat this team. Yeah. I don't like that team. Yeah. That's exactly absolutely. how it works. That's exactly it. Well, there we go, Drake. That is how we play semantics, <laughs> and that is how we do it here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. But before we sign off, Drake, there is one more thing that we have to do here, how we close out every single episode of the show. This is a little something that we like to call Penn's Picks. <laughs> Drake, it is at this point in every episode where I ask my guest for a recommendation that you can give our listeners. It can be anything in the world, anything that raises your spirits, anything you think that they need to know about. What is your Pence pick? And you are welcome to take your time. Wow, anything in the world. Anything. Sometimes that's too broad and that trips guys up. That is that is very broad. Um, I don't know. Anything that deserves a shout-out, recognition, something they can check out, a plug? Well, for me, I I loved living in the city of Chicago. Oh, okay. 
It was uh great town. Phenomenal, phenomenal city. It's got all the sports in the world. <laughs> it's got all the food in the world. Um, so if you're looking for, you know, like a, you know, in the summertime, they got all the boats on the water and yeah. stuff like that. Like if you're looking for a, a quick getaway, I don't know how far it is from here, but, um, even from Toronto, it was like an eight hour, nine hour drive. It'd be a long drive. So, I'd recommend a flight. Yeah. But it's, I mean, if you could get there in the summer, they've always got some sort of music festival going on. They've got tons and tons of food options. Um, baseball football hockey basketball like you name it they've got it it's a it's a great city and um i enjoyed living there and if uh you're into pizza lou malnati's oh okay lou malnati's i i'm not a deep dish guy it's because you have one slice and i feel full yeah you're ready for bed so i would get the their thin crust and it was delightful my wife god bless her she'd always it closed at like 10 30 so after a game if i had like a couple days in between games she'd order it like right at the end of the game and we'd pick it up on the way home right before closing and we we'd have pizza together you'd be in there at 10 29 exactly and sometimes you know they'd write on the like hey great game tonight drake or something because they'd see the order number or order name but yeah uh, lou malnati's thin crust pizza wow i love chicago i have nothing but good memories uh the few times i've been in that town if you can help it Go in the summer because yeah. it does get frigid cold, and when they call it the Windy City, yeah. they're not playing around, and that'll drop at another 10, oh, yeah. 20 degrees whenever yeah. it's whipping around out oh, there. Yeah. We lived but, in the Navy Pier. And so, yeah, you get the wind of we, all wind. We got the wind coming off the off the lake there, and you're just like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> like I'm yeah. thinking, like, this is this is frigid cold, but the summertime there, it's it does get hot and sticky, but... I mean, you can every that. everywhere kind of gets like that in the summertime. So, um, and there's just something to do at, at all times. So something to do at all times. I'll throw out there too. I'm not sure how many times you checked it out. I love Second City. Second City. Anytime I've... I go to Chicago, I love going to Second City, the uh, comedy club, because I'm one of those dorks who loves improv comedy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So anytime yeah. I'm down there, if I can get to a show, I go. It's Absolutely. a blast. You can, Absolutely. You can check out their gigantic alumni list online. Oh. I'm sure if you just type in Second City alum, you'll be like, oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. Yep. Like the names of all names in comedy have come through there. Second City in Chicago. Um, for my pens pick, Drake, I'm going to go uh, follow you a little bit here on the food path. Okay. You mentioned that uh, thin crust pizza. Mm-hmm. We talk about the great combinations of all time, like spaghetti and meatballs, pepperoni and pizza, peanut butter and chocolate. Chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles. It's good. Drake. I like it. No, Nobody gives it the respect it deserves, I don't it's think. It's good. If you know, you know. If you're someone out there like, why would you put chicken and waffles together? Do it. It's phenomenal. Tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. When we go down south, like down to Charlotte, get some of that southern cooking, yeah. find a little barbecue place or a diner that can hook you up with their like, oh, this is our house recipe, sriracha yeah. syrup or whatever. You can't beat it, man. Yeah. I had that in Nashville, first time ever, and I had it for dinner. Yeah. Went out for dinner, and it was, like, on the entree, and I was like, this is a weird combo, but... You had never heard of it before? No, I'm a Canadian boy. <laughs> like, you know, you have your waffles and pancakes with Canadian maple syrup. Like, yeah, and you have that, chicken you later know, in the you day, might put, yeah. You might put some fruit on it, but, like, then that's breakfast, and then lunch or dinner, you might have chicken. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'll I'll try it, like... 
Sounds good. And it was so worth it. Like a little spicy chicken with the sweet syrup. It was phenomenal. It's it's unbelievable. I'm going to show you a place. We've got some spots in Toronto that actually have okay. some killer chicken and waffles. So, But we'll save that for off-air because this is now the conclusion of our episode of the Wilkes-Barre Granted Penguins podcast. Drake, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We really, really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Oh, and my deepest apologies to Dan Quayle. We were so geeked to get him on the podcast, but we ran out of time. So hopefully my people can talk to his people and uh, you good folks out there can hear from Dan Quayle at a later episode of the Penguins podcast. But for today, that is a wrap. Say goodbye to the people, Drake. See you later, guys. Ciao. Ciao. I like ciao. And I will bid you adieu and see you again for the next episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast in two weeks, folks. Talk to you then. The Woodsbury Stranded Penguins podcast is recorded live in front of no studio audience.